this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Everybody, you can take a seat. I don't feel any pressure at all coming today. And yeah, I just feel so relaxed after that intro. Thank you so much. No pressure at all. My family is here, absolutely. I, I do feel like I'm alone sitting there by myself. I do have family that love me. They're just right at the back there. Um, we have a almost two-year-old, so that's why they're at the back, because he is a almost two-year-old boy into everything. Uh, so, quick story about me. I'm not going to spend too much time for you to get to know me because you probably will as I go. You'll hear stories and you'll get to know me that way. But briefly, uh, was a youth pastor for about six years. Amazing time. Great learning opportunity for us as a family. Well, it was just my wife and I at the time and the little one came along, Willow. And we actually felt a call to leave the ministry for a time and actually head to Bethel and, and study there for a year. So, we went to California and uh, lived the American dream for a year with our, I think Willow was one when we left and turned two while we were over there. Amazing experience. God did some awesome things and Holy Spirit taught us a lot about him, which was amazing. Came home and really felt there was a season for us uh, not to go back into uh, ministry, but actually in a different kind of ministry and that would be uh, in the world. So I actually became a uh, manager at Apple of all places. And so for six years, um, was kind of one of the bosses at Apple, which was kind of fun. And then God uh, moved our hearts again. And, and again, I, I guess you guys would know a season change, you know, that feeling of a season change. Started looking around going, God, what's in our heart? What are we passionate about? A couple of things that we are passionate about is family. Uh, I'm a sucker for kids. I just love kids uh, so much. Fortunate to have three of them. And we also wanted our kids to see what the world was really like. You know, they in Australia, we have a very good experience, I guess, of, of the world and, and privilege. We wanted our kids to see more, so uh, we prayed for that. And then, uh, of all places, Instagram feed came up and an ad for Compassion came up uh, for a job. That was this one. And so I apply. We moved from Brisbane to Newcastle, and we literally live a walk to the beach now, which is just a dream. We, that was one of our side notes, like, God, you know, if you could, just chuck in the beach bit because... <laughs> We love the beach. So we are at the beach now in Newcastle and we are just loving it. So we feel very blessed. I feel very blessed to be with you guys today. When you come to a church and you just feel comfortable, and you feel like you've already been here before, that's a good feeling. And I have that feeling now. So that is a good thing. And it's a really good thing because I do want to actually challenge us today. So I have to have some sort of rapport built before I start poking the possum, right? So let's go. Uh, We're going to start in the Bible, which is always a great place to start. Uh, Matthew 3, this is the baptism of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, grab it. I'm pretty sure it'll be on the screen. Ah, amazing, on the screen. Let me read it out to you. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. That's an amazing moment. I don't know about you. I definitely do this. I read the Bible sometimes and just read it, and it just goes in my head and go, Oh, that's cool, cool, cool. But imagine being in that moment, watching Jesus being baptized by John. At that point, you wouldn't know much about Jesus, just this guy who decided he wanted to be baptized that day. And as you're watching in the crowd, this man comes out of the water and begins to glow. Your eyes would be, what? Is he actually glowing? Is there sparkly things flying all around him? No way. And then the heavens actually open up. Can you imagine the light shining upon this man? And you're like, why are we looking at this man? What's going on? And then a spirit-like dove flies down from heaven and lands on the man. Amazing. And then just to top it off, why not add the audible voice of God? Hey, guys, I'm real. I'm powerful and I'm speaking right now. And what he says is amazing. My son... Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. At this point, have you ever wondered why God said those words, I am well pleased with Jesus? See, at this point, Jesus isn't that known by the community. In fact, if we do a bit of a background check here, we have verse 1, chapter 1, sorry, Jesus is born. Amazing scene, Jesus being born. Again, not everyone would hear about that. That happens. Chapter 2, Joseph hides Jesus because he knows that the king is after him. And here we are now, chapter 3. Jesus, at this point, hasn't really done anything. And yet the words are, I am well pleased with him. I'm very happy. I'm very, very, very satisfied with him. Can you think for a moment when you've heard those words in your life? I am well pleased. I'm very happy. I'm satisfied with you. Can you think back to those words? I can think straight away of an experience for me where I heard those words, felt those words. Let me explain. I grew up in a family. I have a brother. He's two years younger than me. Mum and dad. We are a very sporty family to the extent that my mum and dad have the sports on TV 24-7. It doesn't matter when you come over, it's a different sport on TV. My dad has always loved soccer, played in his, till his 20s, loved Liverpool, and my brother felt that same connection to, to soccer, you know, loved the same team and supported soccer, you know, kind of kid in the backyard that would kick the ball against the fence all day, training, 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 loved it. I thought it was okay, like I watched it, but I wasn't like passionate. Anyway, soccer season started, my brother was finally old enough to sign on, so he was there at sign on, trained with his team, he was loving it, played a couple of games and obviously I was there for those games and I was like, yeah, this is good. Anyway, I found out that my friends in my class at school, two years older than my brother, but they played in the same league, same competition league. It's like, come on Dave, like you should play with us. You know, your brother's playing, we're playing, just social. So I was like, okay, I'll join in. Well, that first year of playing soccer, I would say, to sum it up, would be average. 
the fact that I cannot remember one game of that whole season sums it up. Season two comes, and again, my friends are playing. My brother is even more passionate now. He's one of the best players on his team. And so, obviously, I'm going to play again. But circumstances change, and the coach can't do it anymore. I have to find somebody else. You guessed it. My dad becomes the coach. Just add a little bit more pressure, you know, because you want to be good when your dad's the coach. I was not good. I actually remember, in my mind, so clearly... This ball coming, like high, high ball coming. And in my brain, I'm like, I know what to do. Dad's trained me well. So either you trap it, or just kick it back, or I headbutt it. I've got three options, quite simple. I've done this in practice. I know what to do. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And the ball bounces way ahead of me and way over my head. And I just sit there like, oh, no. Did anyone notice? I look over at my dad and he has just never been good at hiding his emotions. He's just there like this. In fact, I could even see the words he mouthed and I won't repeat them at church, but just, oh, oh man. So anyway, I hope you guys don't mind doing a bit of a therapy session for me because I'm feeling good about this. I'm just getting off my chest. But anyway, this one day we're winning 11-0. Yeah, so just a little side note is our team never lost for three years. Like, we were just a part of a really good team. So if you want to be a hopeless player, it's a good thing to be in a good team. So anyway, this one time, we're 11-0 up. And so my mates are like, Coach, let's let Dave be right at the front so we can actually score a goal. Like, that'd be amazing for him. How patronising, right? <laughs> like, I'm that bad. I need the help. But anyway, I do. I do need the help. So this happens. I get right at the front. They've moved things around. I think the actual um, goalie on the team might have been three years old. And I, uh, they passed me the ball. The goal's open. I really can't stuff this up, right? Oh, uh, the pressure. And then, and it goes in. Oh, yeah, what a moment. In fact, it was a moment because all my mates picked me up on their shoulders and charged me through the place. And it's like I scored the winning goal of the grand final. Like, it's a nothing moment, nothing moment. But, oh, everyone was loving me. I was loving me. I was waving everybody. And my dad was so proud. Like, so proud. Uh, so we got home in the car, and he's like, Dave, whatever you want. Whatever you want, it's yours. So I made sure I made use of that moment, of course. I'm not stupid. But how many times in our lives do we live for or remember those moments that someone is pleased with us because of something we've done. And we don't just do it in sports life or jobs or family life. We do it spiritually as well. There's times, you know, we've had a great conversation with a friend who's not yet a Christian. And we're sitting there and we're having a great conversation and sharing our heart and sharing what God's doing in our lives and hoping that they, they catch on. And it's a great moment and, you know, you finish it and you don't need recognition from your friends, but you'll tell them anyway because... You know, you've been an awesome Christian. It's probably worth sharing it. They might get some blessing out of it. Um, but secretly, you look up to God and you go, oh, God, just doing your job. <laughs> you know, I did great. Or maybe, you know, you you run a great small group in church and it's just, it's, you know, you're killing it. Holy Spirit's moving. God's doing great things. Maybe even seeing healing. Again, you don't need your pastor to tell you you're doing a great job. You, you, know, you know you are. But again, it's kind of this look up to heaven like, 
doing your work, God. Like, I'm just, just killing it. You know, you're welcome, but don't have to say anything. It's cool. Or maybe you're part of a, a prayer group at school. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we would celebrate these kids that started a, a prayer group at their state school. You know, it'd be like, this kid, right? Like, he started a prayer group at a non-Christian school. Like, you're amazing. And we talk them up and they get pumped up and it's a great moment and the rest of everyone's like, yeah, this is great. And I hope you can hear me. I'm having fun here because at the end of the day, each one of these moments, I would say, Holy Spirit set up. Each one of these moments are amazing moments for us in our faith. I am not for a second saying that this is not God's plan for us. I absolutely believe it is his plan for us. But let's go back to Jesus coming out of that water and God saying, I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything yet and he was well pleased. I would love to say to you today, that Jesus, in that moment, wasn't being judged by what he had done, but by his heart for God. His father looked down at heaven, looked right through his flesh, and saw a heart that mirrored his. My son, I am well pleased, not because of what you've done, but because of your heart. See, no physical act, no work you do can earn those words over your life. My son, my daughter, I am well pleased, is in here. It's in here. So, you're never going to hear, I'm going to have a bit of fun here, but you're never going to hear, my son, my daughter, I am well pleased that today you didn't eat that last Tim Tam at morning tea. I saw you. Oh, I'm so pleased that you didn't do that. My son, my daughter, I am well pleased that in that prayer meeting, you were definitely the loudest and most passionate. Your volume. You really meant it. My son, my daughter, I am well pleased that you sponsor the most children in this church. Those things, again, are good things, great things if done in the right heart. This is the foundations we base ourselves. So now that we have that foundation sorted out, that truth is there. Do we now just kick back? Now that we know that it's about my heart, do we just kick back? Did Jesus just kick back from that point? Quite the opposite. That was the very beginning of his ministry. He had to get the foundation part right and then when his heart was connected to God's, he always wanted to do things to please his father. Out of the right heart. Great news, church. You can relax. You haven't got to do things to earn his love. You haven't got to do things to earn his favor. Connect your heart to his and you already have it. So the best thing for us to do right now is to try to mirror Jesus. If we're going to have that kind of feeling that Jesus had with his father, then we want the same feeling from our father in heaven. And I like that in this moment here, Jesus isn't trying to uh, convince us of what he's going to do. In fact, 
God shows us in this moment that just being as you are, as a man or woman that loves Jesus, is enough. Is enough. And then the rest will come. So, it doesn't take an intellectual, deep study of the Bible to now work out how to follow Jesus, how to learn from Jesus, because Jesus wants us to be just like him. So he spells it out for us. He makes it really easy for us to follow him in his way. And so I wanted to show you in chapter 6 of Matthew exactly how Jesus wants us to be. Now in 5, 6, and 7, he talks about some very basic things as what it is to be a Christian, what it is to follow Jesus. And so if you've got time, I would love you to go back and and read it yourself. I think it's a a really important thing to look at. But I'm going to go through to chapter 6 and read this one out for you. And then we're going to sort of break it down. So giving to the needy is the first one. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I want to loop back to that first line here. Not to practice your righteousness in front of others. There's actually two versions of the word righteousness, if you've looked it up before. Let me save you that time, because I have. Righteousness in the world view is actually to be morally correct or justified. So basically, for you to have the righteousness in that worldview would mean that someone would have to have observed you doing something to say you're righteous. That you are justified, you are morally correct in what you're doing. But the way the Bible talks about righteousness, and I want to read this out to you because it's, it's very different. Being righteous in the Bible is being right in the eyes of God, which includes character, nature, conscious, your attitude, your conduct, your action, and command your word. Righteousness is therefore based upon a God standard. So what is he saying? Again, not based on what you do, what others see, but out of the state of your heart that only God can see. He's almost saying, don't let anyone see you do anything because then they'll judge you in a righteous way that man would. I don't want that for you. I want I want God's righteousness. I want to be judged by God. That is the way that you're recognized. So it's a really important thing that when you recognize God's love for you, when you are desiring a connection with God's righteousness, that you realize the things that he's put in your heart, the desires in your heart, he actually put in there anyway. Say that again. Those things that he's put in your heart are actually his desires for you anyway. So when you're passionate about something, you feel something for something, really, you don't understand why it's in there, but it's there. It's him anyway, because you're connecting to his heart. Let me explain. In my household, I have two beautiful girls. One's six, one is nine. One's almost turning ten, doesn't matter. But they have a desire to like the same things as I do. In fact, when it comes to music in our household, the girls just love every bit of music that I love. Now, it's cool that I have a music taste of probably a 13-year-old girl. That helps. 
But they know that if we go get a coffee with dad, he'll put on his 13-year-old girl music and we'll sing all the way to the coffee shop. Bit of Spice Girls, bit of Britney, you know, why not? And all the way back. And we'll just love it together. In fact, one of my fondest memories is Pearl waking up in the morning and going to Siri and saying, hey, Siri, play the Spice Girls. I'm like, oh, my girl. She's going to play the Spice Girls now, isn't she? Don't do it, Siri. But when you connect, is it actually? <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> it's heard that way too often. But when you connect to your father, you just want to do the things that he does. You want to love the things he loves. So when our heart mirrors God, when our heart mirrors Jesus, we actually find passion for the things that he likes, that he loves. And of course, Jesus loves the poor. He talks about it so many times. In fact, he doesn't say, if you give to the poor. He says, when you give to the poor. He's passionate about them. In chapter, sorry, in verse 5, he says, talks about prayer. Let me, let me read prayer for you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to give us the Lord's Prayer. Again, Jesus is giving us some foundational values here. And again, we hear a very similar language. Don't do anything for the approval of others around you. You don't need to be recognized. Again, we're talking about a heart condition. Why are you praying? Why are you talking to me? Why are you loving the things that you love? Again, it's not a workspace thing. He's already pleased with you. So what is it in our heart that we are sharing? I have been guilty of being in a prayer meeting and you know, a bunch of people being there and feeling like I prayed my heart out, you know, I get really into it, prayed hard. And after it's finished, I don't know if you've done this, maybe it's just me because I'm a sinner, but uh, finished, finished the prayer and then actually kind of looked around and gone, what did I actually pray? I actually don't know what I just prayed for. I hope I didn't say out loud that I can't wait for this to be over till I get my dinner because I'm so hungry and I'm going out to this great place. I'm so excited about it. I hope that didn't come out in my prayer because my heart wasn't connected to God when I prayed it. I was just connecting to the moment and people around and all those things. There are other times where you pray and you forget the room you're in. You just feel your heart connected to God's heart and you don't care about the words that are coming out. You don't care if they're in sync or if it sounds beautiful to man because you know your heart's connected to the Holy Spirit and it's a good connection. See, works goes away. Works goes away when your heart is connected to him and connection takes place. Let's go to fasting. And I want you to listen very carefully because you may feel like he is repeating himself. He is. <laughs> when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show how they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, 
Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Firstly, I love the disfigured face thing. Oh, you just imagine the... I'm so hungry. But I'm doing it for you, God. I once did a fast for three months. It wasn't a spiritual one, so don't, don't think about that. And I had to have no meat and just had vegetables and fish and chicken, I think it was. That's it. No fruit either. And I remember thinking when I got told that you had to do this for your health reasons, I was like, I'm not going to make a scene of this. I'm not going to be one of those people that, you know, turn to someone's house and it's like, yeah, I can't eat that and, you know, feel sad. You know? I was like, I don't want to be that person, so I'm not going to do it. Except I was for three months. Every time I saw somebody, it was like, oh, yeah, I really can't eat that. I really wish I could. Oh, but I'm doing this fast. And, and so we can look at these hypocrites and go, oh, my goodness, they're out of control. Like, get it together. But I reckon we're like that without even knowing it. We want approval from people so they feel that we are doing the right thing. I reckon there's a reason that Jesus says this three times in a row, the importance of stop doing things for man's recognition, for man's eyes. I want to challenge you to look very carefully and closely at the way you think about situations, about the way you look at value. When you think about work, are you thinking, did my boss see that that, was, that idea was, was my idea? That event that I pulled off, did, do you reckon he knows that was me or she knows that was me? Are we, are we hoping that the boss can promote us or does God promote us? Or, you know, maybe you've, you've come home and you've just cleaned up your house. It was a pigsty, you know. If you've got kids, you know, you know that. I've just cleaned up the house. It's looking beautiful now. My spouse and my children better recognize what I did today because it was a lot. It was a lot. Or maybe I'll be more closer to home here is what conversations you have with God recently. Hey, God, I, um, I don't want anyone else to know. Like, this is just between you and me, but I'm giving my offering all the time and doing my I'm giving all the time. And yet my finances just don't seem to be going on like you, but I've been doing that. So shouldn't that mean something? Or how come that family or that couple looks so blessed? Is that fair? Because I know what they did. I know they've done some things. You see, sometimes we look at other people or look at situations and we go, God, there's a system here. There's a you've done this, so you should get that. I've earned this because I did this. And God is going, it does not work that way. I am looking at your heart, not your actions, not your acts. Are you doing them because you love me, because you're passionate about me, or are you doing it because you think you're going to get something from it? I think we've all probably felt guilty for doing that at some point in our lives. And I want to say to you, I, it's not a new thing. In fact, since the beginning of time, this has been the value system of 
humans. Look at Cain and Abel. The perfect start, perfect example of this, when Cain is so furious that God likes Abel's offering more than his. But mine's meat, mine's good, mine's better. I've given you more, it looks, it looks good. And God's going, you don't get it, do you? Abel did it because he loves me. He gave because he wants to give to me. You're doing that out of obligation. You're doing it because you know you have to do it. It's not the right heart. My son, my daughter, I love you. I am well pleased. Without action, I'm looking here. And I love this, straight from the fasting challenge, Jesus almost reads the crowd. He definitely reads us as readers right now. Because we do actually like being acknowledged. We do value reward. And so he goes on in verse 19, uh, and I love this. It goes straight into the treasures of heaven. Let me read it it out to you. Do not stir up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But stir up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, treasures are not all we can gain for ourselves here in this life. You know, we can think of those things and some of those blessings are blessings and I'm not saying you you shouldn't be blessed. We should be blessed. But what are you gaining for the kingdom of God? Because those are the true treasures that will last. I'm not sure if you picked it up, but in every single one of those three verses I've shared with you, Jesus actually does talk about a reward. Each time he talks about a reward, but I would like to challenge us to think that that reward is not always physical, but maybe it's that treasure in heaven. We may not see the fruit of some of our labors here, but in heaven he'll go, I saw. I saw your heart. You didn't look for the approval of man. You didn't look for recognition. You did it because you love me, and I saw it. Your reward's waiting. Your reward's waiting. So today, I want to share with you that there's no condemnation with Jesus. He's not looking at you today, judging you for all those thoughts or those conversations you've had. Because we've all had them. But he is drawing you back today to understand his heart for you. That he is so pleased with you. That he is so in love with you. And you don't have to earn that. You don't have to get busy doing that. You already have it. When your heart is focused on him, you already have it. And the rest will follow. Because if you take pleasure in spending time with him, if you take pleasure in enjoying him, those things will be in your heart and they'll just come out. They'll just come out. My son, my daughter, I love you. I am well pleased. I want to pray for you and then I want to give you a little challenge. But first, I want to just pray for those people who are today feeling a little bit like, wow, Dave, there's some of those things that really do challenge me. I feel a little bit, maybe a little bit convicted, a little bit uh, pushed. And that's okay. God's love wants to just pour out over you today. He wants to show you that he is so in love with you, so pleased with you. 
So if you're comfortable with it, I'd love you to close your eyes and put out your hands like you're receiving a gift. His gift for you today is his love. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you that your love doesn't require works. But you give your love so freely, so easily. You'll pour out your love because you are in love with us. For all the things we think about, for all the works we've done, for all the humanness we have, God, we give it all back to you. We give it all to you. God, that you'll be glorified in all of the things we've done so far. But now, God, we do things in the heart of serving you because we love you. We are giving all things so that we can actually mirror you. Your great example, Jesus. You taught us so many great things. Help us to be reminded of those things, Father. Bless this church. Thank you for their heart for you. Let them see you outwork in their lives so beautifully as they find their center in you, their foundation in you, their love in you. Amen. So today, church, I just want to give you a a little challenge. At Compassion, we are very, very uh, passionate about children. Each one is so special to us and these are the treasures that God talks about. Each one is a life that needs God's love, not just food and water, but a relationship with Him. So we've got a bunch of profiles. We're just going to hand them out real quick to you guys. Now, uh, while that's happening, I want to explain to you what each one of these profiles is. So if we just do like one per family, that would be probably perfect. So every one of these profiles that I'm handing out to you is actually children that are unsponsored. What's been happening over the COVID season has been quite interesting for us. And just to give you a quick update, the way that Compassion works is we would get a whole bunch of kids from the community into local churches and they, those, those local churches, local church pastors would go out, connect with children and invite them into the program. And we do that over and over again. And once those kids get sponsored, then we can go out and get more children from the community and bring them in. But over this season, we haven't been able to go out and get any more children because no one can really sponsor or hasn't been sponsoring over COVID. There's been a lot going on and there's, there's obviously no pressure and no one's felt angry or upset about that. But there is a pool of 200,000 children that are in the awaiting sponsorship pool right now, which is a lot of numbers. But when you pull it all back, it's actually just one kid. It's one little face, one little person. So that profile you have in front of you is not a a printout of that kid over and over again. It's just one kid. And I want us to pray for this kid. And I don't want to just do it today. I want you to pray for this kid for a week. I know it's a big commitment, but I want you to pray for this kid for a week. And how you do that's up to you. Uh, For some people, I've challenged them to say, hey, let's just give up a coffee for a week. And when I'm thinking about that coffee, I'll pray for that, that child. Because we believe that it's not just about sponsoring, but it's about spiritually what happens in that person's life, what happens in that person's family, in their community. So I want to invite you all in that, in that journey with, with me this week. 
A couple of things you can pray for. Firstly, I think the most important thing is salvation. We just really want to see these kids get to know Jesus because that's actually the life-changing moment, right? Secondly, we want to pray for the families that the mums and dads get work because that's probably been the one thing that almost everyone's lost their jobs through COVID because of restrictions. So that. And the third thing is obviously sponsorship because in that moment, a child stops feeling that, that they're alone in their situation, but they know somebody in Australia is actually partnering with me, praying for me and breaking the cycle of poverty. So we're going to pray for them right now, but if you feel willing and you can, and even if you've got a sponsored child already at home, that's okay. This is, this is a child that's not sponsored. So they actually really, really would need your prayers right now. So if you want to grab that in your hand right now, look at that little face and we're going to pray. God, we just thank you for each one of these little treasures these little people that you love so much. Oh God, we just pray for their situation that right now as we pray, they would sense your Holy Spirit. They would know that you love them so much, that they are not poverty, that they are loved, that they are a child of yours. Pray for the families to come to know you. Pray for work to come for those families. God, we just pray for open doors in their situation and for their countries as well, Father. They're going through a tough time. Be with the government. Supply for them. And for all the compassion workers working around these children, let them have the right words to say and the things to share that would bless them in this time. We thank you for each one of them, Father. Lastly, me and my family will be at the back. There is a stand if you'd like to sponsor a child, whether it be that one, we have a bunch of others there. If you'd like to do that, um, we would love to help you uh, sponsor a child today too. But thank you so much for for letting me be with you guys today. It's been uh, really, it's been a pleasure for me. So thank you so much. hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.